normally I say, welcome to Israel, but now I'm in Ireland. So welcome to this edition of Revelation Shorts. And what we're going to focus in on are the first few verses of Revelation chapter 1. So we have a proper understanding of what is the purpose of this book and also to whom was this book addressed. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to Revelation chapter 1. Now we see something, we see something consistent among the traditions of Israel. For example, you probably know that, that each Shabbat and festival days, there are special readings from the Torah and also from the prophets. And how do we know what's read? Well, these portions have titles or names. And usually we find that the name given to a Torah portion for a given week is based upon the first word in the text or in that first verse, perhaps the first phrase of significance, some important word. And this is the same way with what we're going to be talking about, the book of Revelation. Why is it called the book of Revelation? Because, well, look there with me, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, where it says, the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. Now, the question that I think that we need to ask ourselves is this. Why is there a need for the revelation of Messiah Yeshua? See, we know him. We have been taught about him. There are the Gospels that tell us everything that we need to know about the person and the work of Messiah. See, I believe that this book of Revelation has great significance for us specifically, for those who are going to be alive and those are who are his disciples in the last days. It is so that we have a proper understanding of the risen Savior, what he is, who he is submissive to, his heavenly Father's will, and how we need to respond to him. So it's necessary that we have a proper understanding, the correct identity of who he is and what he's going to bring about when he returns the second time for the purpose of doing three things. What are these three things? defeating the enemies of Israel. And these enemies are opposed to the purposes of God. You see, these enemies know something. The important role that Israel's going to play, both the Jewish people and the land of Israel, the important role that Israel's going to play in the last days. So the enemy is going to want to destroy the Jewish people, attack the land of Israel, in order to thwart the purpose of God. And what is that purpose? It's a marvelous purpose to establish his kingdom where his true disciples can experience blessings forever and receive the promises of God. This is the purpose of the kingdom. So we know that Yeshua is coming back and I'm speaking of his second coming, not our blessed hope or the rapture, the second coming at the end of Daniel's 70th week, at the end of those final seven years, he's coming to destroy the enemies of Israel. He is coming to bring salvation. We know that, that one-third of the Jewish people 
Those who have stayed alive survived what's known as that time of trouble for Jacob, for the Jewish people. That one-third is going to look upon him who has been pierced. And they are going to receive him. They are going to understand who he is, what he did 2,000 years ago. And they are going to receive him as their deliverer. More specifically, Isaiah tells us their redeemer. And the third thing that Messiah is going to do is to establish his kingdom. So we need to have a proper understanding of Messiah. And that's why this book has been written. Look again at verse 1. The revelation of Messiah Yeshua, which God gave to him, meaning God gave to who? Those who are readers of this book. Those who are going to respond in obedience to its revelation, its truth. What God gave to him to show to who? This is where it's very important. Where it says, and this is who this book is addressed to, to his servants. So ask yourself a very important question. Are you a servant of Messiah? Didn't just ask you if you want to, to be saved, that you want to avoid punishment in hell, you want God's blessings. Didn't ask you those questions. I asked you a very different one, and that is, are you his servant? Here's a biblical principle that we learn from this passage. God wants to reveal something, as it says here, to show us something. And the only way that we're going to understand and have a perception of the revelation of this book is if we desire to serve him. This is who he's writing to, once again, in order to show his servants what, and this means what things, it is necessary to happen and to happen quickly. Now, it's not the word soon, meaning these things. When John wrote them down, he's not promising that they're going to come soon. What he says is this, they are going to come quickly. And what does that mean? It has a very important application. And that is this, if we're not ready, if we don't have the right understanding, that right perspective, if we're not prepared when these things begin to happen, if we don't understand them, if we're not looking towards them, then we're not going to be understanding what's taking place and we won't be able to respond properly. We won't be able to serve him as he has commanded us to serve him. So he's showing us here, revealing what these things, that it's necessary that they happen quickly and we see that they have been been signified. That is, they have been testified to, that they have been sealed, they have been certified by God. And it says that, that he sent them through his messenger to his servant, John. So this messenger that was sent by John, it's the word for angel. So God used an angel to communicate to his servant, to his servant John, all of these things that you and I might understand them. 
And not only does it mean that we might understand them, the implication is we must understand them if we're going to be able to respond in a way that is glorifying to our Heavenly Father. Look now to the next verse, verse 2. Who he testified the word of God and the testimony of Messiah Yeshua. I hope you see two things here. I hope you see the relationship between the, the testimony of Messiah and the word of God. These two things are inherently related. We see so many times in the scripture that Messiah himself said, I do these things in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. The same thing here. This is all about fulfillment. Fulfilling ultimately that which must be in order for the kingdom to be established. So who has testified to the word of God and the testimony of Messiah, which also he saw? How did he see? Well, the book of Revelation is a book of visions. Visions that came from God through his servant, that messenger, that angel that was given to John in order that John might write these down because it is incumbent upon us to know these things. And again, we'll only have the discernment to understand them if we have as foundational in our life this desire to obey him. Not just I want to be saved. I don't want to find punishment for my sin. I don't want to, to experience hell. Of course we don't want these things. But what's going to bring about the ability to perceive God's book of Revelation and have the fortitude and the power to apply it to our life is if we ultimately desire to serve him. And then we read, continuing on in this same passage, Look, if you would, to verse 3. Now, I like verse 3 because of that first word. Now, it's Greek, obviously. The book of Revelation was written in Greek. But there's a Hebrew counterpart to this word. The Hebrew word is ashrei. Now, what does that mean? It means both to be happy and to be blessed. Probably because you've been blessed, the outcome of being blessed is happiness. And God tells us how we can experience this. Very clear, he writes, happy is the one who will read. One, primarily, is, is given to read in the local congregation. The local congregation back at that time resembled very much a synagogue where there was a specific reader that was called upon to read from God's word. No different here. Look again. Blessed is the one who reads and the ones who hear the words of this prophecy. Now notice that. This is a book of prophecy. And prophecy, when we look at it historically throughout the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, we see that it has two purposes and they're related. One is that, that prophecy brings about redemption excuse me, prophecy brings about repentance. And through this repentance, the outcome of that is God's order. I want to say that again. Prophecy produces repentance in God's people. 
in order that the order of God might be experienced. And it's in the order of God, which is related to the will of God, that we find that peace, that joy. We find God's provision. We are recipients of his power. We receive that right perspective. So all of this is foundational for being able to walk in obedience to God. So blessed and happy is the one who reads and those who hear, and this word means hear for the purpose of implementing, obeying the words of this prophecy. And notice it says, and the ones who keep these things which have been written in it, in this prophecy. We're supposed to do what? Not just hear, not just say, yes, I believe those things, but also notice this word at the end of verse three, where it says, keep the things which have been written in it, meaning in this prophecy. Why? Notice the end of verse three, for it says, the time is near. Now, I realize that this was written nearly 2,000 years ago. But near, why do we know that presently? Because of other prophecies. What's going on in the world? When we look at this world and what's taking place, we can see prophetically that we are approaching the last days. There is much significant change all around us. We need to have that discernment to understand these changes are, are instructing us that, that the last days are approaching. Look at verse 4. Now, verse 4 tells us, and we're going to have a series of Revelation shorts on the seven churches of Asia Minor. So I'm not going to spend much time on that, but look at verse 4. It says, John, the author of this, who received these visions from this angel who was sent by, by God, John to the seven churches in Asia. Now, notice, these churches are not in the land of Israel. They are in Asia. What does that tell us? They are in exile. And why is that important? Because this book is written to those who are in spiritual exile. What do I mean by that? We are in this world. Where's our home? The kingdom of God. So it's written to those who, although they have that hope, they have that promise of the kingdom, they are still in this world. And this book is going to tell us the events that's going to bring about the establishment of the kingdom of God. Look again at verse 4. We read, John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from the one being, that is the one who is and the one who was and, it's the same one, this one who is coming and from the seven spirits, why seven? Seven is a number that speaks about holiness. I've shared many times with you that holiness is related to the purpose of God. So we're being told here these seven spirits, they, and it's really one, the Holy Spirit, but he's called the seven spirits because he is the one that brings about God's order. The seven spirits which are before, and notice how, Verse, verse 4 ends, before his throne. Now, hopefully, you have done enough study in the book of Revelation to know about 
how important this word throne is in this book of Revelation. We find it repeating many times throughout this book. In fact, one chapter, the word throne appears 12, 13 times. And this is what the book of Revelation is literally about. The events that must happen that will bring about a change. What change? The throne of God, which is in heaven, being brought to earth. And with that change of, of location from heaven to earth, this throne, what can we understand from that? God's righteous rule, meaning the establishment of his kingdom. So there's exile, and that exile is going to be solved for God's people with the establishment of his kingdom when his throne is brought to earth. Verse 5. And from Messiah Yeshua. And who is Messiah? It says, the faithful witness. Everything that he did was a faithful outcome of God's will. He accomplished perfectly the will of God. So this faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, he has preeminence in all things. Now, the firstborn from the dead speaks about his victory. He had to rise from the dead in this new state, unique. Others were raised from the dead in the Old Testament, but not in this new kingdom form. Messiah, who was born into this world, in a normal human body. That body died, but what was raised was raised uniquely. And it, it symbolizes that same new life, that new body that we're going to have as well. So being the firstborn from the dead, he defeated death. What's death related to? Sin. He defeated death and sin through this resurrection. And then it says, and the one who rules rules the kings of this earth speaking about his victory gives him absolute authority over all and he loved us this one who has loved us and and this next word is a word for for deliverance a word for being set free a word of of destruction now this word speaks of the fact that he has set us free that he has destroyed, that he has, has given us freedom from what? From our sins. And how did he do this? Well, the most common way that Yeshua is, is identified in the book of Revelation is as the lamb. Lamb is a, a sacrificial animal, sacrificial for a purpose, redemption. That's why we talk about Messiah as our Passover. He has given us eternal redemption. And he did that. Notice what the scripture says. He has loosened us, set us free, separated us, in other words, from our sins. How did he do that? Through his blood. And he has made us. Now, in the Old Testament, it speaks about, and I'm quoting from Exodus 19, and verse 6, that great passage where God is going to make us a kingdom of priests. Now that's true. And, and here we find the language is a little bit different. It says here that he is going to make us, when you look at the Texas Receptus, 
Now, what happens is this. Nestle Allen, Greek New Testament, follows the literalness of Exodus 19.6. But many times we see that John takes an Old Testament passage, well-known one, and he alters it. Why? To take that truth and give us new revelation, to teach us an additional principle. And that's what's happening here. It says, and to make us kings and priests. Not a kingdom of priests will be that, but kings and priests. Why? Well, I believe that this supports what we see later on in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, where it says here that we are going to rule and reign with him. What does that mean? It has to do with being a king. So he is going to make us both kings and priests to God. His father. And then it says, and we'll conclude with this, and to him, meaning to God the Father. Everything that Messiah did, the Son of God was to honor his father. Let's say that a different way, to bring glory unto him. And this is what we're supposed to do. And the purpose of this victory is that we will be put into a condition where we can only bring honor and glory to God. Notice again where it says, He, verse 6, has made us kings and priests to God, and referring to God, His Father, and to Him, the glory and the dominion. Now, this word means power. And it speaks here about God being sovereign, all power. To him be the glory and the dominion, literally, into the ages, into the ages, which is an idiom, which means forever. And that phrase forever is once more a kingdom term. This world that we live in, it's temporary. This word, world that we live in is going to experience the wrath of God. And let me share with you that the only way that you can miss out on God's wrath and not experience his judgment is when you realize exactly what this scripture says. The way that we find separation, deliverance from our sins, there's only one way, by means of his blood, literally in his blood. Only through that are we going to experience that eternal redemption that will, will separate us from our sins. He's paid the price so that we can have eternal life in the kingdom of God. And the book of Revelation is a book of encouragement. Why? Because we learn the events that must take place, very important word, must take place in order that this kingdom change comes. So ask yourself this question. Are you ready for that kingdom change? Do you know what's going to happen so that when you see these things, and I'm going to conclude with this verse. You see, Messiah said something. For example, in the book of Luke in chapter 21, he says this. When you see these things beginning, he tells us to be encouraged. He tells us to lift up our heads. What does that mean? Get ready for God to acknowledge you. And what is that? When these things begin, Get ready because soon thereafter, now there are some things that we have to overcome. This book is written to those who overcome. 
We see that in chapters 2 and 3 when he speaks directly to these seven churches of Asia Minor. We know something. Through faith, the faithfulness of God, and us surrendering to him, he will give us the power and the insight to overcome all things so that we can be found faithful. And what does that mean? No matter what goes on around us, and hear this, no matter what goes on around us, in our life, that happens to our our loved ones, our family, whatever, all of those sad things are temporary. They are going to give away. And we are going to see, and this is what should excite you, we are going to see an absolute restoration in the kingdom of God. And that's why that we should be kingdom-minded always, and this is the purpose of this book of Revelation, to teach us what's going to happen prior to the establishment of the kingdom. And the more that you understand the true revelation of Messiah Yeshua, the better prepared you are going to be to obey the purposes of God. Well, I'll close with that until next time. Shalom, and again, shalom from Ireland.